Speaking of wild card, I remember there was a Reddit thing saying they should get the cast of It's Always Sunny to be the cast of Fantastic Four. Oh no. And honestly, it all lines up. Tell me this. Tell just talk about it. I'm so curious. So obviously, Dane DeVito is the thing. That's really easy. Yeah, that that's the obvious one. D is obviously the invisible girl because she is the only female. Also, she's hella invisible to the group. Yeah. Which, and this is where things kind of fall apart a little bit, but her brother, being Dennis, is now Johnny Storm. And then the quote-unquote brains of the group from that one episode where they solved the gas crisis in Mac is Reed Richards, which oh makes Charlie, god. the wild card, Doctor Doom. Oh my god. I was kind of hoping you said the opposite, where like Charlie, for some reason, is Reed because of the Flowers for Algernon episode, <laughs> Flowers for Charlie. And I'm like, it would be really funny to see Mac as the villain. <laughs> Welcome everybody to Movie Masochists with Kim and Joby. Hello everyone. Hello. Today we are doing our duty as the actual masochists that we are and we did a double feature of Fantastic Four 2005 and 2015. Oof. Yeah, we kept saying that we are trying to find the fun in painful films and boy howdy did we have our work cut out for us today. Oh, God. Okay, so if you listen to our Wonder Woman episode, you know how we do this breakdown. We have three good things, three bad things. We do not know what each other wrote down, and we just get surprised with the conversation. This time around, because we have two movies, we decided that for each movie, we're going to do one good and one bad, and then compare and contrast the two. They might be a little painful, but at least we're trying to find some good things to say about it. And honestly, that was really tough to do. This was probably, like, one of the most difficult assignments I've had. Oh, for sure. And, I mean, we definitely got away with Wonder Woman. The fact that we both kind of walked out of it being, I'm glad I watched it. We can have fun with it later on with, like, a drinking game or something. This time around, if I never have to watch this movie again, I'm okay with that. I was gonna say, I don't know what the heck I watched. What happened in um, a span of an hour and a half, I guess? Yes! Thank you. I was thinking the same thing. That's actually one of my bad points. But specifically, though, for the 2015. Mm. And we both thought about this before. But I'm hoping that I did not just have nostalgia blinders with 2005. Yeah. And I feel like I didn't. Because also this past weekend, for Shits and Giggles, I did a double feature of Mortal Kombat and Mortal Kombat <laughs> Annihilation. And they were just bad. So nostalgia blinders, yeah, that's gone with those movies. This one, I always still have fun with it. So it's fine. Like, I gauged myself pretty well with that. Oh. Oh my god we're gonna have to discuss mortal kombat at some other point that will be a future episode for sure <laughs> and i get to be pained again it's your fault for watching it ahead of time yay masochism Woohoo! <laughs> <laughs> so on that note I, actually i wanted to ask you which one did you watch first when we did the double feature did you do the 2005 or the 2015 2015 because i wanted to go mm. super blind on that one and i really didn't want the nostalgia blinders to just be like you've already liked this movie you're gonna enjoy it again so i'm like I wanted nothing to do with 2015 when I saw like the trailers and stuff out for it. I was like, why are they bringing this back out of nowhere? So I watched that one first and I was just kind of like, when are we getting to the drama? <laughs> <laughs> so I did the opposite. Oh, yeah. I watched it 2005. I'm like, okay, I'm moderately entertained. I remembering some things. I actually managed to quote the movie at parts. Because I remember, yeah, like as the lines were happening, I managed to quote a couple lines. I'm How like, many times have you seen this film? It, it's been a long time since I have, but I, for some reason, like just like hone in on those lines every now and then. But also the dialogue was not that complicated. You could see the setup happening. Yeah, I guess. But yeah, after the 2005, I watched 2015 and I mentioned this to you earlier before we started recording, but... I had to watch it twice. Oh, you have to now explain why, because that's so bad. Because I didn't have a single thing written down for the good. <laughs> oh my god. I didn't. Like, the one point that I had was also, like, an asterisk to my bad. So I couldn't justify, like, I need to watch this again and make sure that there's actually something good out of this movie. And sadly, I barely got away with that one too, in that I had to look up some things on the internet. Because, Ooh. to be fair, I don't know Fantastic Four all that well. Oh, same. 
I only know them as like the first family of Marvel. Exactly. That's it. I mean, same thing with me. So I had to look up a couple things, and that actually helped clear up some thoughts. So with that said, do you want to start? I feel like you should start. I want right. to hear you're good. Okay, so let's start with 2015, just because. That is the freshest in my mind, too, considering I just watched it. All of, like, literally now an hour before we started recording. You really, really wanted to get into the masochism of... I needed to. I need... <laughs> You're really fulfilling right. the title of this Oof, podcast. I am. I just didn't want people to think that we're just, like, posers or, like... like... <laughs> Poser masochism. <laughs> no, that's not the right word. God damn it. I just didn't want people to think that... We're just getting away with, like, okay movies. No, this was... You know what I mean? This one was honestly really bad. I wanted to like this movie. <laughs> I, I did, too. And just looking at the cast, I kind of wanted to. Granted, I don't know too much of Miles Teller. I never watched Whiplash, which apparently he's supposed to be amazing in that movie, but that's also... Yeah. J.K. Simmons steals a show in that movie. Really does. J.K. Simmons, iconic voice. <laughs> oh, for sure. I love Tenzin. But then with Michael B. Jordan, with Kate Mara, I really like those two as well. But after those three names, I didn't really know anyone else in the movie. I had to look up who these other people were, and the guy who played Victor Von Doom was actually in one of my favorite movies in Sorcerer's Apprentice. Oh my god, that's why I know him. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> His face was so familiar the entire time. He was in that movie. He was the rival apprentice, right. essentially, to Jay Baruchel. But yes, that was him. Oh my god. So, alright, 2015. Again, I had to watch this twice just to try to find a good thing about it. And I guess I'm going to land on, they had a little bit more pull from the comics than I realized. That's what I'm going to say that's good. So this was something I had to look up and actually was part of one of my bad points was I found the casting to be really weird. So when we were talking about this while recording the teaser, I mentioned the casting for this movie seemed really off and the casting for the 2005 seemed really good. But for some reason, I always looked at the Fantastic Four as like mid 30s or so. They're not. They're supposed to be in college. Yeah, because I was like, wait, how old are they supposed to be? Because they look like they're like in high school. Exactly. And I have to look this up. Reed Richards started college at 14. Oh, okay. And he's going for his fifth degree when he meets Victor and Ben in college. Oh. So let's say it took him two years per degree. He started at 14. He's round about early 20s when he's in his fifth time in college. But that also kind of doesn't really play with this movie and the fact that he's in a high school science fair and then gets sent to college. I don't know. That was weird. I had like more questions about his relationship with Ben at that point. Wait, in, in the comics or in the movie? In the comics. I guess that's like a side point. Yeah, so Ben's supposed to be like this like star football player in college. So I think that kind of like also plays into him being like the muscle of the two, like the brains to the brawn. Mm. Right. But yeah, everyone's supposed to be young. When they go out into outer space, that's actually one of the things that was fun in this one is that in the comics, they steal a spaceship to prove, hey, this program, what we're doing here is really helpful. And we're going to prove to you why. We're going to ask for forgiveness rather than permission. Right. And this one, same thing. They technically hijack that teleportation device. Right. So, all right, good job. You kind of played back into the comics of it all. And also my knowledge of Fantastic Four coming from the first movie. I thought that they were always based in New York, in the Baxter building. No, Central City. Central City, based in California. And it's kind of nice that they brought Central City into the movie. Granted, in like the last two minutes, but they did. Right. So the age was actually appropriate. The whole idea of stealing the million dollar project, that was on par. And Brain in Central City, that was a good move. So I guess that's my thing. It felt like they pulled from the comics a little more than I thought they did. Instead of just going completely off the reservation being like we need to change a lot of stuff so we're just going to change a whole lot of crap so you forget about the old one and this is a new thing you're just going to have an entertaining time instead of it being like true to book i guess uh, barely entertaining but yes entertaining yeah. entertaining was a stretch well. entertaining was a stretch and i'm not just playing off of mr fantastic it was just <laughs> yeah um kim what is your good point okay <laughs> This was my stretch. It was really fun to see the guy from Holes play another seedy character. Boy, who was in Holes? Hold the, on. The government guy. Oh my god, yeah. I also believe he's in Watchmen, like the new Watchmen, but I only have seen like a couple episodes of Watchmen. But he's also a little bit like grimy in Watchmen too. Honestly, that guy, I forgot he was in Holes. 
What I remember him in was The Incredible Hulk with Ed Norton. Oh, I didn't even realize he was in that. He's Mr. Blue. He's the guy he's messaging and like sending blood samples and stuff. Oh, fuck. I didn't even realize. Yeah, that was him. It's been so long since I've seen The Incredible Hulk, so. I think I remember the Eric Bana one more than I do the Ed Norton oh, one. Oh, I, I never watched that one. You're okay. And I hope that's not on the list. Is this on the list, though? <laughs> We will talk about that later. <laughs> we will figure out the list. It's fine. But yeah, sorry, continue. What's your good point here? It's such a short good point. Like, he made me actually hate his character enough that I'm like, oh, he's doing his job as an actor well enough okay. for me to actually feel something toward this character. And I feel like I'm going to transition into my bad <laughs> at any second now. <laughs> Go for it. Just right into it. That's fine. All of 10 seconds into the good. <laughs> and we're already going into the bad. Oh, boy. <laughs> so again, I wish I remembered that man's name. But the man from Holes was the only stretch of a good thing that I could find about the 2015 film. Really, though, he's a great actor. But, like, to transition into the bad, it's like, what is the rest of the cast doing? Like, I know Michael B. Jordan can act, but, like, why is he so whiny? Yeah. Like, I understand that they're kids, and I feel like they really leaned into them being kids, but, like, they did one experiment, and then the government said, we're gonna take this away, they got mad, and, like, didn't follow the rest of, like, the scientific experiment, and, like, they fucked themselves over. Like, it hurts. It's so painful to have such a talented cast, and then... Do nothing with it. Yeah, like, I couldn't feel anything towards anybody else. Yeah, I mean, we mentioned that in Wonder Woman 84. It was rough here and there. The cast was not wasted. They did a really good job with what they brought to screen. This one, they didn't at all. And I agree with you. And that was actually one thing I wanted to bring up with Michael B. Jordan. He had such a character flip for no fucking yes. reason. Yes. Like, let me start off as like the bad boy rebel dude. But then, oh, hey, let's climb down this cliff. Nah, man, I'm not going down there. Why are you scared now? You're the daredevil. How are you the scared one? They kept flip-flopping him throughout the film because then all of a sudden he's like, Dad, you wanted me to be here. Now I want to be here because, you know, government. Yeah, like apparently he had like a problem with authority. They were trying to get that across. Now you're working for an actual government agency slash you're about to be a soldier. Yeah. Where did that come from? Like, I didn't understand this character flip so quickly. That was the thing with a lot of the other characters in that even though age-wise they were appropriate the casting just didn't feel that strong and this is your point so i don't this doesn't count as mine so suck it <laughs> no, it, counts. it could count you're adding on so like doom wasn't charismatic at all he just kind of seemed like a whiny incel dude <laughs> it just seemed like he wanted to just bitch about everything without bringing anything to the table he was a recluse and really went ham on not liking the government and i'm like I think that was the message in the entire movie. The government sucks. I, I guess so. Was that the message at the end of this movie? I don't know. <laughs> okay, you're the one that watched it twice, so you tell me. <laughs> there was really no overarching themes. I was trying to find that too, and I thought I landed on it earlier when Franklin Storm, he brings up this whole thing of, and let me find that in my notes, um, the preachy ideology of this movie. Younger minds can fix the mistakes of the older generation. So I think they were trying to even just tie it into something that was a little bit more modernized, something that was a little bit more topical to what 2015 was. Like We're starting to worry a little bit more about global warming and the environment and our carbon footprint on this world, right? So, oh, hey, we have a whole new planet worth of resources that we can pull from. We can save our planet with this one. And then Doom legitimately responds with, no, we screwed up this world. Why are we going to screw up another? Let it burn. And then that's when they coined him Dr. Doom. And that was really just kind of like a throw in line because... No, they, they kind of had like Easter eggs early on where Sue was like, <laughs> you're like Dr. Doom. Do they even name him Dr. Doom after that? He didn't even call himself Dr. Doom. That was actually one of my notes for the bad ones and feel like honorable mention, I suppose, early, even though we're still kind of on your part, but honorable mention of quote unquote running gags that really went freaking nowhere. Which running gags are you thinking of? Um, let's see. So there was a few of them, like, oh, hey, they used a car in the first experiment. Oh, hey, in the science fair, like, eight years later, hey, you got the toy car? I don't have the toy car. You have the toy car. Oh, no, we don't know what happened to it. Or, oh, wow, they really wear lab coats in this place. And then later on, when uh, the dad's recruiting Johnny Storm, and he's like, you can earn your car back by working for me. I'm not wearing a lab coat. Like, okay, 
what's with the lab coat gag? Like, I don't get these it. These were so flat. Yeah, I, I didn't really like these. I didn't even understand these jokes. Like, you're right. I, like, made a mental note of it being like, what's up with the lab coats? Like, why is it so uncool to wear a lab coat to be a scientist? Like, it's your job. <laughs> I was waiting on them to use some of these things a little bit more. And it was always just like a one-off callback and a really flat one-off callback. But go back to what you're talking about with the cast, please. Like, I, I can keep going in on it too, I, but... It's so hard to, like, really talk about this because, like, I never like pausing through a film. But I felt myself pausing, rewinding. It's like when you read a book where my eyes just kind of, like, went through a page and I'm like, what did I just read? Yeah. I felt like there were memory gaps of, like, what happened in the film. And I still feel like this film in its runtime was still not enough time to do whatever they were doing. I mean, it was a short film. It was an hour 40 or an hour 50 right. or so. I didn't get any connection to any of the characters. And I know that she is your fave, but Sue Storm, like no emotion in her face, like 90% of this film. I want to say fave, but yeah, I guess that could have been a good point. It's like, oh yeah, I got to see Kate Mara for a little bit. That was fun. That's about all I can really say about it. Oh, I just, I thought about that thing that you mentioned where they kept bringing like random callbacks. I cannot believe they brought back her like understanding patterns to find Reed. Oh yeah. That seemed like a really shoehorned in thought. And then they brought it back just randomly. Like she was kind of like a jack of all trades in that movie. Oh, she's designing the suit. She's doing this. She's doing that. She understands patterns so I can also track down this right. dude. Yeah. Like, I wanted more from her. Like, she seemed like they're setting her up to be a badass. And then mm -hmm. her character arc just kind of just goes, by. <laughs> yeah, so I guess I'll kind of jump into my bad point. The pacing of this whole movie just seemed really off. Mm -hmm. Where in this hour 40, hour 50 long movie, somehow it felt really slow. But at the same time, I don't know what really happened. Seriously, I felt like we were supposed to grow attached to these characters, but at the same time, I was like, I've learned nothing about these characters except for their kids who are smart and then maybe have some interpersonal problems. Yeah. But like, hold on, wait. Go for it, yeah. I will mention this for our 2005. You have the complete opposite in 2005 where their interpersonal problems are like the main focus. Oh, Here, yeah. Here it's like their interpersonal problems kind of exist, but you don't yep. know why. <laughs> <laughs> like, I keep thinking about the tension between um, mm -hmm. Sue and Johnny, and I'm like, they bring it up in, like, one very random scene where she's like, Johnny, it's good to see you back in the lab or whatever. And he's just really cold back to her. Yeah, I completely agree with that, where one movie went a little bit too hard into all of their personal lives, and the other one barely at all. Mm -hmm. And yet, if they didn't really touch base on their personal lives, what did they do for that whole movie i feel like it was a lot of montages and a lot of just random scenes here and there where it really didn't really need to be there right like why did we have to jump into a little quick scene of the fast and the furious i mean how else would you introduce johnny storm like yeah johnny storm playboy <laughs> playboy billionaire <laughs> yes johnny storm the daredevil who is gonna drag race and commit crimes and yet you gotta scale this cliff Nah, i don't want to do that man that sounds bad. Maybe he gets vertigo. I don't know, man. Don't. Then how did he fly? <laughs> Maybe he could still get yes, vertigo. Yes, the, the flame powers has cured his vertigo. <laughs> sure. <laughs> That's canon, right? That's somewhere. That's how it works. He went to therapy. That's what we missed. There was a one-year time jump. You never know what he There was. There was a one-year time jump. And that was actually one thing I was curious about was, so he did this whole montage of them figuring out this machine we see them eating chinese food one night cool they're kind of friends now the boys are drinking when they get their project taken away and they're kind of bonding over that kind of sort of not really and then you look at it well ben has zero ties to this group it's just, just reed. reed yeah and even then he felt like he was abandoned by reed and then it got brushed over that quickly because we're gonna fight this one guy who looks like a bad crash test dummy mixed with a droid like, what is this? I will have to say, I want to commend the fact that I felt a little bit more bad about Ben in this movie 
Yes. Like, more than, like, Michael Chiklis has been. And that's only because I feel like, you mentioned it, it's because we never really see Ben, and then he was brought in because Reed was like, hey, I can't do this without you. And then it all just goes wrong. I felt a little bit more emotion for that It one. wasn't even, I can't do this without you. It's just that he had a drunken moment of, I need to bring you in on this. You're my boy. You're my boy, Blue. It was like the wrong place, wrong time. Yeah. And that's where I was like, oh, he really fucked up versus like, I think in 2005, it was already like established that they're scientists and like they're pilots and they go up to space and like they've worked for NASA. Yeah. So that was another thing. And that was the weird contrast of the two in that some parts that they pulled from the comics in this movie, the things that they ignored, they used in the 2005 version. Mm. So Ben is actually supposed to be an astronaut. He was in the Air Force, but like everyone did have a connection and you felt the connection in the 2005 more than you did in the 2015. Right. But getting to the comparing and contrasting a little bit too soon. <laughs> I mean, I don't know how we want to do this, but... I mean, keep going with your point though. Yeah. So in the 2015, the pacing was just all over the place. Why did we need to have so much time dedicated to them as kids making this machine in the garage? And then for you to just jump eight years later to them in high school doing the same experiment for the past eight years and that seemed really odd the fact that you're at a random science fair you just have this random guy who's like oh yeah you want a scholarship i want to give you one were they or well i mean it's the government i was like are they already spying on them like why is it this specific science fair that they decided to go to i don't know and they never explain it it's just hey we want to offer you a scholarship so it kind of seems like you had your eye on this kid for a while but that was really never discussed but then also you realized it took them to about like the halfway point to finally get their powers really 40 minutes in they finally go to the other dimension oh jeez! they get their powers they're experimented on for i don't know how long oh and that was another weird one where that whole post-accident study was just off why did reed run away they gave zero explanation as to why he would do that yeah I didn't understand that. It wasn't, like, in his character trope to do that anyways, but I also am like... Exactly. They just want to film somewhere else and uh, come up with a new set to deal with? You were talking about making a movie. This is a multi-million dollar movie. If you could cut corners somewhere, you're going to cut corners. Yeah. On every movie. That's why even when they film Spider-Man. Oh, wait, he's from Queens. They don't film in Queens. They film in Brooklyn because it's cheaper. Yeah. And they build a set of Queens. So if you don't have to go to another location, then don't go to another location. Yeah, pretty much. I don't know. There was just a lot of just questionable things. That's honestly any movie. There's going to be a questionable moments. Like a guy with a gun running up to a person with a baseball bat. You have a gun. Why don't you just shoot them? But no, you're going to run into them so they're in striking distance and then pull the thing away. It's kind of the same thing with this one. Like that whole fight sequence with Reed. Yeah. Like, he's kind of, like, darting and diving all over the place. He takes out an entire platoon, but then one blindsided headbutt by the thing, even though you just dodged his giant haymaker, managed to knock it cold. Come on, man. Like, it was so quick. It was so anticlimactic. And then he manages to thwart off Dr. Doom's big attacks. Like, he got blasted in the chest. He got flown into the wall. He got freaking, like, melted into the ground. Continuity sucks. Yeah, and he was the first one to pop back up. At this point, I'm looking at how are they going to beat Doom? It looks like he's just wiping the floor with all of them. It also is like Reed doesn't seem like he has a lot of combat training despite him being away for a year. No. Like, I don't know at what point, what level Sue was at, but, like, they were about to send Johnny. So, like, in my head, I'm, like, the only two with somewhat feasible combat training are those two. And then Sue, like, how did you get so good at grappling your powers when, like... It seemed like she was good with her powers. It was just a matter of she just didn't want to play ball with them. Mm. The other two were. Like, Johnny was ready to go. Mm. Ben was obviously already in the field. She was more on the fence of, like, I don't want to work with these people. So if they're trying to get more funding from the government, obviously they're not going to get the one person who seems a little bit more like a wild card. And yet somehow that wild card was not Johnny Storm. Yeah. All right. I think that's good enough for 2015. Let's go into the 2005. I'll let you start on this one. Yeah, because I started with 2015. Yeah, you start with the 2005. What is your good point? Oh, my gosh. See, I feel like I'm stuck on just paying attention to the actors. Julian McMahon? really good as dr doom oh that was a thing yeah i can't tell if it's just because he's like pigeonholed to being that guy in like everything the charismatic asshole yeah yeah 
Because, like, I said this in the teaser where it was like he plays once again the villain in The Runaways. And I'm like, you're just too good at being the villain. And I don't hate it. Like, yeah. your cadence and, like, how you hold yourself, like, on screen. Like, you have that power. Like, your attitude is not just, like... I am arrogant, but it's like, I'm arrogant for whatever reason. Mm -hmm. Like, I made it here. I deserve it. And it's like, but you're also the asshole. For sure. I'm trying to think if his villain is, like, too cheesy, but, like, that movie is cheesy. Oh, yeah. It's pretty camp. But we have we reached the territory where it's like his acting performance was too campy. No. So that was the thing. Like, the acting itself was not bad. It was really good. And especially, you know, remember those movies like from early 2000s, mid 2000s? They all kind of had that vibe. That's why I'm like, is our nostalgia blinders on because it's the era of that film? Because last time when we started talking about this, it's like we compared what else came out in 2015. So it's like, are we comparing like it to the era or like what what is happening like when we're comparing these two well even now and again i'm gonna pull back to when i was watching mortal kombat the acting there was rough and i'm not just saying it like oh it was a 90s movie it's fine no the acting was kind of rough but this one just because it's the 2000s doesn't mean that there's gonna be bad acting mm. you know like was it oscar worthy absolutely not but was it bad and distracting no it wasn't it feels like everyone's acting made sense like mm -hmm. you really could tell chris evans johnny storm was like a true asshole mm -hmm. like he was an arrogant shit <laughs> and that was a thing that they really did well with that one in comparison to 2015 was keeping everyone on par with the character like staying in character of what they would do all their acting choice all of their character choices like jessica alba's gonna react this way Michael Chiklis is going to react this way. Reed Richards is going to react this way. I'm not going to pronounce his name because I never pronounce it correctly. <laughs> so he's just Reed Richards. I don't care. That's fine. That's fine. But everyone had the appropriate responses. And story-wise, it worked out. And for the sake of what we said earlier, this one seemed a lot more character-driven. So if you're going to focus on the characters and their story and how they interact with each other, that all seemed really well done. And that was one of my good points too. I really did like the cast on that. So kind of like in the same vein, I also didn't hate the montage sequences where they learn to live with each other versus the montage sequence of them trying to be friends in 2015. Yeah. It kind of made more sense to do the montage sequence in 2005. It really did for the sake of they already know each other, but now it's, okay, you guys are close proximity. You are in a single apartment, confined space. So yeah, having to learn how to deal with the different personalities made a lot of sense. Yeah, I feel like I learned more about them. Even if they already know each other, they set it up way more different in 2005 versus 2015, where basically they start from like nothing. And their montage sequence was a little too quiet in a way, mm -hmm. where there wasn't enough dialogue exchange for me to get more about them as a character there were just more interesting sequences i guess in 2005 yeah. like i just keep thinking about johnny storm doing the whole like camp thing where he tries to get the thing to like smack his face <laughs> while he's sleeping yeah but also with that in mind of them having this whole history together right reed and sue used to date Ben and Johnny used to be in the Air Force together. Reed and Victor have like that whole tension, not just in the respect of Sue, but also in the respect of like they're both scientists or they're both trying to make a name for themselves, this, this, and that, right? Mm. They play that up really well. With the other one, with the 2015, not so much. Yeah. They could have played up the rivalry between Victor and Reed a whole lot more. Yeah. And I thought they were going to try to do that with the whole Victor looking through his notes of elementary ridiculous this looks like it's from a kid's book like a kid drew this yeah i thought they were gonna make that a little bit more condescending but then they could kind of just brush it aside there was no tension you lost it all like i totally agree all right wait hold on we went back to 2015 yeah we did because <laughs> it's tough it's a rough one to get through holy okay. hell so yep okay okay so my good was obviously like cast and yes. i felt them a little bit more believable but mostly julian mcmahon <laughs> fair enough that was actually one of my good points was a the cast and b he had his own subset of just his psychosis and mental instability seemed to like make a lot more sense 
Mm. Was he already a little bit unhinged? For sure. You're trying to propose to a woman you're not even dating. Right. (laughs) But to see everything kind of break down of what happened. Like, his looks are a little vain. That was a trope for Doctor Doom forever and a day. Like, that's why he wears that metal mask. Because of that one tiny scar. Which turns into a gigantic scar. So Yeah, I was like, well, he gets, like, more scarred up, though. He does. But even with that, even when it was that tiny scar... He's like, make sure they film me from my left side. Right. (laughs) Okay. Like, that's super vain. But then to see everything else fall apart for him. His hair falling out. His company sending him away. His quote-unquote girl having dinner with her ex instead of having dinner with him. Having all these things kind of play out back to back to back to back made it make a lot more sense for him to go off the rails. Right. And start legitimately murdering everyone. It just, it feels like everything just gets so intensified Mm -hmm. when they were exposed to the storm. And it's like, it makes so much sense that he divulges into the worst parts of himself. Even with that though, that's what kind of bugged me about the 2005 was you just killed all these people in your path. The doctor told you that you had to get called to the CDC. The guy who voted you out of your company. Everyone who worked at your warehouse so you can rob your warehouse so that you can strategically kill all the Fantastic Four in their own kind of personal way. Right. Like, oh, you demorphed Ben. Kill him. You just killed about a half dozen people. Yeah. Kill him. Johnny Storm. That one was actually made sense. Like, hey, he take a missile, he blows up. He should have, yeah, he should have died. You have a frozen Reed Richards. Take a hammer to the guy. Shoot him with lightning. That would have killed him. He just made him feel. You heard him crack. Why don't you do the whole, just crack the neck too and... That's the problem with both of them. I understand. We have to let the heroes win because this is a superhero movie. It's so black and white. It's too black and white. Yeah. They gotta win at the end. At the same time, dude, you it's like you caught him monologuing. Like, what happened? <laughs> okay. But I feel like that's also a sign of the times. Like, you can't fault that 100% because characters, I guess, back then did have depth. But, like, it's not to the point where they're gray. Like, Mm -hmm. for some reason, we were still in the era of, like, everyone is black and white. You are good or bad. That's it. (laughs) I mean, like, and this is me even trying to justify it in my own head. Was maybe you didn't kill these people just like that because you wanted them to suffer. Because, oh, you caused me to suffer. Now I want you to feel pain. You know, maybe it was one of those things. I don't know. I'm also trying to justify it in my own brain. But yes. Is there anything you also <laughs> want to mention about your good point? Um, do I have any other good points? <laughs> I have like honorable mentions that don't really okay. go into good or bad. All right. Okay. <laughs> I did not look up if Michael Chiklis is from New York, but he had the most New York accent. <laughs> The most. Do you want to make that as your one Google? Oh, I don't know if I want to use that as my Google. <laughs> but I was just like, this really just transports you into New York. But I think this is nitpicky at that point where I'm like, they didn't even film in New York. Like, their end scene was not a New York. So I'm curious. So me growing up in Jersey, you grew up in New York your whole life, right? I'm, I'm between New York and New okay. Jersey. Well, you, you grew up in New York enough. I'm sure you've been in and out of the city way more than I have. So mm-hmm. if there was a giant accident on a bridge, <laughs> would that be the most New York thing for people to get out of their cars to see what the hell's going on? No, no one would get out of anything. No one would stop. That's, that was... Okay, so we're gonna get into one of my Okay, so we're gonna get into one of my bad points right now. Okay. The logistics of this entire movie just did not make sense. <laughs> All right, so let's start with the bridge scene, okay? Oh, my God. You have all these people getting out of their cars so that they're now kind of in danger so they can watch and make them celebrities of this whole rescuing the fire department from this giant bridge thing, right? Right. Um, Why did you have to have her take off her clothes? Thank you. Thank you. I was I going to say, like, granted, it's, it's Jessica Alba. She's gorgeous to see her in lingerie. Thank you. But that whole sequence did not have to happen in that, hey, we need you to go naked and invisible and go and sneak your way in. And yet somehow you guys go past the barricade as well. You got there too. I didn't understand that at all. Cause I was just like, is this movie like really sexist for no reason? Like she had to undress twice. Like, unnecessarily sexist. So, do you remember the second one? No. We're not watching it, but... No. So, in the second one, at some point, something happens with the Silver Surfer, and Johnny, anytime he touches one of the other group, their powers switch. Oh. So, at some point, he switches powers with Sue, she gets lit on fire, and burns her clothes away. So, at some point in the middle of the street, she's just laying down flat, butt-ass naked... They flip the powers back. She's like, why does this always happen to me? That's not okay. That is it's not, not okay, okay, but I'm just saying it happens again in that movie. 
I'm really glad that we've moved somewhat past that era where, like, we didn't need to do that. Yes, that is very true. So all of my points, I have a whole long list of bad, right? Okay. But everything just involves the logistics of this movie. I have one point that I hope you make. Go for it. Go for it. I'm still going to talk about the bridge scene. Why was Ben's wife there? How did she get there? Yes, that was one of my points. That was here. That was here. It's like she just happens to be on the bridge, too. And she takes off the ring and then drops it, like, at his feet? Like, hold on. Because, like, in my head, like, my mental gymnastics of trying to justify that scene was, like, was he on the bridge because he knew that was her, like, daily route to work or something? It kind of looked like he was about to commit suicide. Like, he was going to jump off and sink to the bottom of the river. That's also kind of, like, what I was thinking, where I'm like, that's the most iconic bridge. Yeah. And then he sees the guy to his left. He's about to jump, too. And that puts him back in his senses. Like, all right, fine. But yeah, where did the wife come from? <laughs> like, I, I understand they were trying to find him. So then that's why maybe they were on the bridge. Like, they knew that they had to get across. He was going to be somewhere else. I don't know. But logistically, how? <laughs> Seriously. And, and also, during that whole sequence, they're still applauding him. Oh, yeah. How do you not see, like, a woman kind of, like, back away from him, take off a ring, put it down, and just slowly walk away again. Why is it only the Fantastic Four, like, them four seeing this yeah. happen? Yeah, no one really understands it. And then, so he goes to pick up the ring, and they're still afraid of him, and they still back away, like, he's gonna do something to us. You were just applauding him! You, no! Give him a hug, man! Like, you saved them! Good job! You're a hero! I feel like the people on the actual level of the pathway on the Brooklyn Bridge yeah. were, like, more of the applause people, but I I feel like it if was I was everywhere. on the level of the road, I would have been, like, pissed at this dude. But I'm like, the firefighters are applauding this man. <laughs> you're in a yoker. Of course you're pissed. Like, God damn it, there's always traffic. There's always traffic. Now you mean more. The, the worst part about the bridge scene, too, is, like, the fire truck destroyed parts of the suspension of the bridge. How did the bridge not fall? Mmm. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't think of that. That's actually not on the list. So good job. You caught me on another. <laughs> you caught me on one of the logistics. But oh man, that's a good point. That bridge should have been falling with his heavy ass. Yeah, he was like standing like right where all of the suspension is. Go I I can't tell if like it's a suspension bridge, but like those are important parts to getting the bridge to be stabilized. <laughs> I don't know. All right. I want to hear more of your points. Okay. So more of my points. This is going to trigger a bunch of people in 2020 from, from this past year. And so they get off of the space station, right? Ben wakes up. Oh yeah. Um, we got sent back here. We're in quarantine right now. How are you freely walking around this fucking hospital? <laughs> what is quarantine? You're in quarantine. You should be in a room. You should be in a room. No, you're a liar. You're not quarantined. We know quarantine. See, that's interesting if you think about it in comparison to 2015's where everyone was wearing the suits and like they're in separate rooms and stuff. I agree with you there. They did a better job at the quarantine. But no, you all are free to roam this hospital. Hey, you can go skiing and flirt with this one freaking nurse. Did they actually mention that they're in quarantine? He does. He says he's in quarantine. Oh, Seriously? I thought that was a joke. No, I don't know if it was or not. Maybe it was. It was Johnny who said the line, so maybe it was a joke. I don't know. That was the thing. So they kind of had this big reveal of all their powers, right? Of everyone kind of morphing and mutating. We can't say mutate because this isn't X-Men. So. It's not X-Men, yeah. It's like she turns invisible, make conversation. He catches the bottle with a stretched out arm. Johnny creates that giant, I guess, like ice hot tub in the middle of the mountain. Well, then how are we going to show him changing without spending a lot of money on CGI? Oh, let's put a scale on the bed because that's totally a thing in a hospital. We're going to measure your body mass index while you lay in bed because that's a thing that happens. All right, cool. I can understand everything else like temperature. Yes. Temperature makes what, sense. Heartbeat. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. The weight? <laughs> you didn't need to put the weight there. You could have just been like, show him more, show the bed break, and then him busting through the wall like, why did you have to also mention, oh, he's a fatty now? Of course he's a fatty. He's a giant rock. Yeah, we already know that. We didn't need that. Speaking of that, this movie is really fatphobic. Was it? A little bit. If you think about it, too, with uh, him on the escalator. Oh, I just kept thinking him about, on the like, elevator, yeah. Oh, elevator, I'm sorry. Yeah, him on the elevator, they're like, yeah, I guess I'll get off and I'll take the stairs now. And I'm like, I mean, they also say the same thing in, in The Avengers. Or an endgame, at least. Yeah, you're right. He's going down the stairs. Yeah, I forgot about that. In all fairness, if they didn't point out the fact that he has to take the stairs, people would have been pissed. That was a good pull on their part, I think. But, yeah. Uh, okay, hold on. Let's see. There's... So, the bridge scene. Like, what the fuck? Uh... Oh. He keeps getting these notices of, like, oh, you're going broke. Right? It's like, this is your late notice. 
of we're gonna shut off your power can you shut off a power to just a single apartment i believe you can okay so that was one thing but also dude you have a fucking penthouse in the middle of manhattan yeah you're going broke because that's expensive as hell dude i have like a major question about that where it comes in with why are there security cameras that doom can access yeah was he footing the bill at one point like that was my thing or did he own the building and Reed is actually, like, a tenant there, and then he owns that building, so he gets, like, access to all of it? I don't know. I cannot tell. Because I'm, like, he had this before he had the deal with Doom. Yeah. Because even Sue mentioned it, where it was, like, he lives here. I kind of want to think that he owns that building, and he's actually leasing that out to Reed, and he's just late on his payments. For the sake of, how else did he get into that apartment without Reed knowing? Like, obviously, like, the elevator goes up to the apartment... It opens inside said apartment, and then he surprises Sue. He surprises Reed. This is where you live, bro. Yeah. How do you not know that he was there? Oh, because maybe he has access. I'm going to think that's what it was. I also don't really remember the beginning dialogue where they're talking about finances and stuff, but whatever. But also, oh, hey, you have this giant penthouse apartment. You're going broke, but yet you hired a bunch of people to help you build a machine to revert yeah. your team back to normal humans. How did you hire those people? Where'd you get the money for all these supplies, man? Where did that come from? Logistically, that didn't make sense. He did that really fast. Yeah. If he just got the money at the very beginning, mm -hmm. they just went to space. And then how did yeah. he cash that check so fast? Yeah. So like in the comics, he's supposed to have like a billion dollar inheritance from his father. He's supposed to be really wealthy and that's why he can do these things. But they never really mention it. And if you do have that kind of coin, how are you late on all your bills and stuff oh and that was the thing i was curious about in terms of doom was he killed a lot of people in the span of a few days he killed the doctor he killed one of like the heads of the company and he kills people in his warehouse those three things are kind of well connected it's like you got to make it a point with the doctor this guy is controlling your company now this is your company you have a lot of murders there and yet no one's really looking at you is that white privilege going on right now or what i don't know <laughs> That no one's looking at you and be like, hey, some fishy things are going on in your life. What's happening with you? Where were you on these days? And he's still getting, like, media, like, press, yeah. like, for... And people are still talking about him in the media of, like, oh, yeah, he's going bankrupt. These are happening. Like, bad things are happening. That's just motive now. Police don't do their job. Like, I think that's the thread between these two films. I, the government <laughs> sucks, and police don't do their jobs. Oh, hey, on the bridge. Ben demolishes his truck. He's trying to help this guy out of his truck. Put the man down! Put him down! He's help. He's obviously helping him. Like, what are you doing, man? <sighs> so cringe. Yeah, just, uh, again, all the logistics of this one is just rough. But what is not rough about this one, I guess I'll jump into my good one, and then you can do your bad after the fact. Okay. Do it. I think that's a weird way to break this down, but fine. I said it in, in the teaser. I love music. Soundtrack is dope. <laughs> Screw it. Ask me my Google right now. Okay. I'm going to pull up that soundtrack because I listen to one song on the regular because it does come up in one of my Pandora stations. Yes, I still use Pandora. You can suck it. How dare you use Pandora? <laughs> you are so old. <laughs> I don't care. Does it still give me good music on a good drive? Yes, it does. Fantastic. That's all I need. But yeah, so the song by Sum 41 still comes up in my Pandora called Newts. It's a really good song. That's the one that they're going snowboarding on and skiing. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a dope song. They also have this song by uh, Velvet Revolver that they play when Johnny's on the motorcycle and he's going to the space station. That's a really good song, too. Overall, like, the bands were really good. Um, Let me see what's on here. Full soundtrack. So uh, I'm just going to give you the bands of the ones that I recognize. So they have Velvet Revolver. Taking Back Sunday, Chini, Ryan Cabrera. Ryan, go hold on, Ryan Cabrera. We're talking about 2005. He was a hot commodity back then. I can't get over that hair. 2005. So, yes, Ryan Cabrera, Sum 41, Simple Plan, Lloyd Banks, uh, Alter Bridge. Hold on, I'm still stuck at uh, which Taking Back Sunday song was in this? Because I don't remember what song it was. Um, Air Operator. Really? I don't know that song off the top of my head. I did not hear that song. It's from the same album as Make Damn Sure. I think it's oh, Make okay. Damn Sure. Cool. I think that's the album. When the heck was that in the film? I don't know, but soundtrack in the 2000s was freaking awesome. Yeah, but we're stuck in our, like... That is Nostalgia Blinders. Punk pop. Yeah, I was like, that's pop punk emo phase. Honest, that's I love that soundtrack. 
That was a good one. But yeah, um, what would be your bad point to 2005 oh, yeah. Fantastic Four? I think I said this already, where it's like we had no interpersonal problems in 2015. Mm, yeah. 2005's interpersonal problems were the through thread of this entire film, and it makes sense, but at the same time, everyone is like to the extreme of whiny and it's like dude yeah it was a little bit too drama at times there was a little bit too much drama like this is very i guess contradictory to like what i said earlier where it's like these characters are great but at the same time they really went too far in with certain things like they really leaned into sue being like really angry at the nerd for not understanding and it's like you guys aren't communicating yeah i think they played that up a little bit too much yeah i think that was the thing where they hash it out one too many times for me and also part of the logistic thing of it all, I guess they played it up too much. And even for the people in the movie where when they finally get engaged, there is zero applause. They're just like, finally, he said it. God damn it. This is finally happening. All right. Like y'all ain't clapping. You're not doing anything. And you guys are on a boat with your friends. Here's what I also don't understand about that. So they broke up and they hung out for like a week, less than a week. And then they're like, let's get back together. And now we're engaged. I'm like, I mean, we don't know how much time has happened between them stopping Doom and that final scene. I don't know how much time has elapsed. I guess so. Enough time for them to custom make the thing freaking like 36 quadruple F shoes. I guess so. I kind of wanted to think that there was a long lapse in time in between it all. It just felt like it was the next day. That's the problem. That's true. Like, that was a celebratory cruise around the Hudson. Like, thanks, guys. You stopped Doom and, like, uh, here it is. So you don't want a parade, so we're just going to put you on a boat. That's fine. (laughs) Also, I guess it goes back to your point of logistics. How is the thing on that boat and, like, not offsetting it every, like, three seconds? That he moves. Uh, that's just a badass boat. I don't know. Maybe they attach some things to help stabilize the boat on the sides of it. I don't know. That's a great point. It looks like a standard party boat mm-hmm. in the Hudson River, East River. Yeah, that shit moves a lot. And that's just from normal people, let alone this two-ton man or this one-ton man or whatever. I don't know how heavy he actually is. You weren't paying attention to I the I wasn't scene. paying attention to the scale. The scale <laughs> broke before we got to that final number. I don't know. Oh, God. Um, but yeah, the interpersonal problems were like... A little too heavy-handed. Yeah, and I'm like, it makes sense, but I'm also like cringing at the same time. But then like, I keep thinking about Ben too, like his wife. Like if they played her as like somebody that's like really important and like really loves Ben... I cannot believe that, like, she takes one look at him and then just, like, runs away. Yeah. Like, that was so rude. I think they could even fix that with, like, a single line of, like, oh, no, you two are perfect. Eh, but she's kind of vain. Mm. Right? Granted, I mean, Michael Chiklis isn't a freaking runway model, so I don't really know. It's, like... It happened so fast that she was just like, I can't do this anymore. Like, there was no Mm -hmm. sympathy from her, which I guess, like, makes sense when Alicia comes in to, like, the picture. But then even with that, I was like, that's kind of awkward as hell. (laughs) Like, she was just in a bar and she's just like, let me touch you. (laughs) And apparently that was the first time he was touched by anyone. Because the dude is sitting there like he's about to shoot some pebbles out of himself. I don't know. Yeah. Like... (laughs) I don't know. I guess if we get into the nitty gritty of it, it gets too much like what's going on here. So I guess to enjoy this film, it's like with Wonder Woman, you have to step back. Like with this film versus Wonder Woman, I could suspend my belief throughout the entire film. It was also like 50 minutes shorter than Wonder Woman. So that also helped. (laughs) That is true. So to compare the two a little bit, I think the first Fantastic Four, like timing wise was really good. Everything had a purpose, even though, yeah, condense a couple of these interpersonal issues with each other. But also with the 2015 one, you kind of added a few of those scenes. Could have helped a little bit. Yeah. Take some small stuff out, add in a few more extra scenes, and I think that could have been a little bit better. I think one of my big issues with 2015 continues to be that it's trying to be too serious of a film. Yeah. And we didn't learn enough about the characters to, like, grasp onto them. Yeah. I still don't know what happened to that fucking film. Like, I don't know what I really just watched. All I know is I walked away thinking, that was just really wasted time on that end. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, good to know. Hey, 
2005 Fantastic Four, you're still going to hold up a little bit longer until we get an MCU version. Like, just a tiny bit longer. But even if you just look at the cast of comparing each character to its counterpart in the next one, right? So comparing the two Reed Richards, comparing Jessica Alba to Kate Mara, comparing Chris Evans to Michael B. Jordan, so on and so forth, like go down the list. Literally every single one I would prefer from the 2005. Yeah. Like I think the only one who is like slightly on par would have been Kate Mara and Jessica Alba, where they both did a fine job, but... I also felt like they could have hashed out their characters a little bit more than they did the other characters. They could have given them a little bit more spotlight. I feel like they tried a little bit more with Kate Mara's version of Sue. Because it's like, I really was rooting for her to be, like, the badass of the group. But, like, she got shortchanged. Like, a lot. Like, as, like, the emo kid, I guess. You also gotta think, out of all of them, on paper, she has the most versatile abilities. Mm -hmm. She can fly. She can create force fields. She can make things invisible. She can shoot with invisible things. She can do a lot of different things. They really could have made her... A little bit more front and center. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I'm pretty sure that happens in the comics where she becomes a leader at some point too. But again, my knowledge of Fantastic Four is not that high. And really should be if we're going to be comparing these movies. We didn't do our due diligence on that regard. I was trying to. It was just a lot to kind of get through. There's just too much lore that, like, I think even if we already knew the lore, it's like there's still too much to pack into the film. Like, I I can appreciate, like, the Easter eggs that they did in 2015, but it's also just like you have to present all of these ideas to people who don't know anything anything about these characters and that's like the number one thing that you have to do in a film that's introducing this into a larger picture and i think they massively fail in that regard for 2015 and honestly a little bit of both of them was it just me or were those fight scenes a little bit too short which fight scenes like the ending fight scenes of like we're gonna control doom both of them like they were done so quickly I felt that the 2015 fight was a little too short. It was so anticlimactic. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Um, And I think it's just like where you break down like act one, act two, act three, right? Like in the 2005, I think act three really starts coming into head was when Doom starts putting into motion how he's going to stop all four of them. He demorphs Ben, so then he's taken care of. He shoots the missile. That whole sequence is like, that was a lot of action kind of packed into one sequence. And then the final fight, the actual four against one, that felt kind of quick too. We're like, okay, Johnny, supernova, contain the supernova, blast him with water, the end. Same thing with 2015. They kind of did the same thing where I distract, distraction, distraction, big punch, destroy the pillars and we're out. Yeah. All of it was super fast. If 2015 continued, like, if that era of Fantastic Four continued, my next question would have been, who is the villain? Because, like, they destroyed him. Yeah, they destroyed their big bad. Funny thing is, in 2007, when they did the Rise of the Silver Surfer, he was pretty much the villain again. Yeah. Because, oh, hey, Silver Surfer's the villain. No, he's not. Galactus is. But but even with that, that movie was problematic in that if not for the Silver Surfer, how would the four of them beat Galactus? They wouldn't have. You guys would have lost if not for this one dude. Which is such a shame. How about this? In the end, which of the two did you like more? It, that, that, that's an easy question. It's two, it is 2005. 2005, yep. 2005, for some reason, despite its flaws of characters being too campy, I still find it to be like an entertaining movie. It's like I can lose myself that these people are characters. And... I think the fault of, like, 2015 is that we get too much detail, like, randomness, I guess, about these characters that, like, don't mesh. They don't, like, measure up to me being, like, oh, I care enough about these characters. Except for, like, maybe Ben, and that's it. I'm surprised I didn't say this when we were talking about him. Why was he naked the whole time? <laughs> he never had pants. He doesn't need clothes. He does not need no, clothes. No, he doesn't, but... He doesn't need clothes. Dude, why? He doesn't need clothes. You had him like a... I'll just reiterate it over and over again. Okay, but, Joby, but think about this. Winnie the Pooh does not wear pants. He only wears a shirt. <laughs> yep. And yet when they hop out of the tower, they gotta have the towel around their waist. <laughs> I don't know. It kind of just bugged me the fact that they never gave him pants the whole time. Like, was that too much for your CG budget that you didn't want to put pants on yeah, this guy? Yeah, I guess. I've... CG is not easy, I guess, but maybe that's out of their budget. 
I mean, considering the entire final sequence had to be, because they were on a different planet, like, at most you have a soundstage, but all that's going to be CG in the background. Like, I thought I was going to talk about the CGI more. I never talked about the CG. Honestly, the CG didn't... It didn't bother me as much. Yeah, it was neither here nor there. It it wasn't mind-blowing, but it also wasn't problematic. The only problem I had with the CG was even just the scene itself was when they're going through like the post-accident sequence, Reed is stretched out on a table. Sue is going in and out of visibility. Johnny has this giant explosion that takes out the windows to view into it, but everything behind him is completely untouched. Like there's no scorch marks. There's nothing on fire behind him. If he had no control over that, then yeah, I'm like, in terms of science, it should be like a circle. The whole room should have been on fire or scorched or something, at least a little bit singed, but nothing. I'm sorry, this is just going into the logistics of that film. Oh no, but my logistical problem was with the 2005. <laughs> I know, but that's what I'm saying. Like, but yeah, no, I mean, both, both of them had logistical problems. Let's, they, they both had logistical problems. Oh, 100%. Like, why are you at the science fair? Why are you there? How did him, as a small child, build this in his garage and yet not have the proper screwdriver? Oh, that was one of the running gags. Oh, yeah. He hands him the Swiss Army knife to fix this thing. Oh, here, here's a going away present of a Swiss Army knife. That was so fast. Like, it was too soon of a callback. Yeah, I was curious if that was the same Swiss Army knife. And then, like, it wasn't brought up a third time, right? It wasn't. It wasn't. Like, rule of threes. Come on. That's basic. Not even just rule of threes, but that was the Chekhov's gun of it all, too. Of, like, hey, he has this in his possession now. You never use it. So it was just a trinket. Yeah. Like, I don't... Yeah, I don't know. I just didn't get it. I didn't get a lot of that movie. I didn't. Oh, yeah, you guys all need spacesuits. Now you don't need spacesuits to go into that one dimension? Oh, here is my last logistical problem. How the heck did they travel without the transport in the, like, very end of the film where they're like, oh, the portal is closing. Let's just all go through the portal. I'm like, the portal is closing. I think they were playing it out like Avengers where... Last minute Tony Stark? Yeah, last minute Tony Stark where, like, they sent it to the portal. Okay, this is collapsing. Let's get the hell out of here before it collapses on us and we get stuck. I guess, like, they didn't have time to explain if they get stuck there. Yeah, yeah. That is going to be a movie where I will never have to watch that again. Stop yourself from watching it the third time. I'm not going to. Okay, good. I'm good. I'm done. I watched it twice in a row, like, relatively close to each other back to back. I only had, like, a couple hours in between the two watches, but I can't justify a third. Yeah, no. Even if it's on TV, I'm like, I'm gonna read a book. Screw it. Joby, can I just make a very, very bad point to you? Go for it. You're you're following the rule of 2015. You just don't do threes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> is that the lesson learned for you you just don't do things three times no but all good things come in threes doesn't it it's a common trope that it is three yeah comedy comes in threes that's a well-known thing too. and like also all bad things happen in threes but like for some reason this just didn't follow that basic rule I, like i understand rule breaking but it didn't do it well yeah, and I mean, the things that they try to break that on just didn't make sense. And that's why I had a weird thing of, like, can I even call this a running gag when they only brought it back once? Like, let's mention this line here and another one here and then never discuss it again. And it was just an unnecessary line, too. Like, they were trying to find some levity in the middle of this movie because it did. It was a little... It's too heavy. It, it was way too serious. It's it too was heavy. way too serious. It, not even... Because, like, heavy implies that there was, like, something, like, got to you. No, it was just bland. I don't know. For me, heavy heavy means more, like, I have a lot of, like, emotional weight to caring about these characters. And, like, this is, like, the most fucked up. But I'm like, I didn't feel any emotion when the dad died. <laughs> like, I was just like, oh, are you dead now? That's it? Like, In all fairness, it's because I also saw that coming so fast. Yeah. Not even when it was playing out, but... In the beginning of the movie, when they're all talking about, like, hey, we got to work together as a team. And he goes on, like, this, like, long-winded monologue. And I sat there thinking, you're probably going to die at the end of this movie. <laughs> yeah, you are. You're definitely going to get killed off. I know it. There, That's the trope that gets fulfilled. It's a big trope in Walking Dead. If you're the moral center of this group, you're definitely going to die. Oh, great. And he was the moral center. Like, of all the characters, he was 
definitely the leader of this group. Not Reed Richards, the this dad, guy, yeah. Franklin Storm. He was definitely the leader. And, and I honestly think that's what really brought them together. The death of this man, even though Ben had zero connection to this guy besides that one conversation they had at the science fair. Yeah. Yeah. Like, to exclude him like that, to write that whole sequence like that, didn't make sense. You made Victor more part of the group than you did Ben. Yeah. And then it seemed like you shoehorned him in because he's supposed to be part of the four. I feel like with Ben, there should have been more character growth. But it's like, again, they just played him off as the guy that was there at the wrong place at the wrong time because his friend was like, come to this thing. I think you're a part of this, but, like, you haven't been a part of this since, like, I was a child, like or like until like maybe a month or two ago, or however long ago that was when they started working on this version of the teleportation device. And I don't even know if that's the right way to say it, but that's the easiest way for me to say the like, teleportation device. That's what they're doing. They did they even call it a thing? Like, did they have a code name? Toby, do you really think I have the memory capacity to like think about the very minute details of this film? <laughs> nope, nope. And I'm not watching it again to look back on to see if they did. <laughs> cool, cool, cool. So. Anything else you want to discuss on this one? I think I've hit most of my notes. I think we tried our best, and it was really difficult to get through both of these films. Like, even 2005, it was a little cringy at times, but, like, nothing was as bad for me as, like, 2015, where I'm like, I want more out of this film, but, like, it never got to that point. More like you were expecting more, and it never got there, because at this point, I don't need anything else from this film ever again. No, that's exactly it, where it's like, I did not feel like I could lose myself as a viewer in this film. I didn't really like any of the characters. I couldn't really, like, grasp onto any of them and be like, oh, I can, like, relate to you. The suspension of belief only sustained itself because i'm like what is happening like it's too fantastical <laughs> that's not a suspension of disbelief that is just pure disbelief, <laughs> disbelief of how did this get what are we doing here hold on you're right that, that <laughs> that's not even right. suspension of dis- <laughs> i'm just in perpetual yeah. disbelief with this film <laughs> all right so anywho that was our review and our hot takes on both Fantastic Four movies, the 2015 and the 2005. If you have any comments, if you have anything you want to chime in on, if there's anything you think we missed, feel free to reach out to us, shoot us a message, look for us on social media. Kim has that information on Instagram and Twitter. Find us on Instagram at MovieMasochists with the S or on Twitter at MovieMasochist underscore. There you go. With all that being said, keep the conversation going. Look out for that next teaser. And on that note, I am Joby. I'm Kim. And we will see you guys next time. <laughs>